0: Welcome to the Centro Church Podcast. To find out more about Centro Church, please visit us at centrochurch.com.au or download our smartphone app today. So I want to read a passage that is thrown around a lot by pastors, uh, you know, um, because it it just sometimes, sometimes as a pastor, it can be a very lonely experience, Um, particularly if uh, I remember uh, when I was just starting with young adults there's about four four people showed up and uh, like that 's a really humbling experience and we say humbling, uh, which is a nice way of saying just utterly destroying um, so but but this passage is used a lot by pastors uh, to to encourage everybody to come to church and uh, it 's found in the book of Hebrews in chapter ten verses twenty five and um, I'll give you a bit of a background uh, so this, the book of Hebrews is written by an unknown author. Scholars uh, they they can't decide on who wrote the book of Hebrews, so it, it's a bit of speculation. Some people say it's Paul. Some people say it's John. That has nothing to do with what I'm going to like with my message, but I just thought that I'd sound smart before I get into it. But Hebrews ten twenty five says says this, and uh, if you're reading in a different translation, uh, that's fine. It says and. And and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of the Lord is... the day of His return is drawing near. And um, this... Scholars do agree on the fact that this this passage is direct, directed to the Hebrew Church uh, because there was there was certain Jews that were in the practice of avoiding church gatherings or avoiding gatherings because uh, there was gen, there were Gentiles present and, and so there was this divide that was happening where where uh, Jewish Christians would actually avoid meetings they would avoid services and uh, and 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 because of, of the Gentiles or the non-Jewish people and um, so this was actually a really really poignant time in 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 this in in this church particular church and I was mowing my yard the other day um, which is just going crazy with all the weather that we've been having and uh, that's kind of when I hear most from God um, because I don't know it's it's just the time where I can focus on nothing and, and, you know, God just has a habit of speaking to me. But I wasn't necessarily focusing on God, I was just having these thoughts. uh, Because I I was thinking to myself, there has to be an easier way of doing this. Has anybody mown the yard and thought to yourself, oh my gosh, there has to be a more streamlined, a more easy way to do this. As I'm kind of going over my yard a second time because I was lazy and didn't mow it and keep it... Manicured, so I had to go over my yard a second time, and I thought to myself, "There has to be a way easier way." I mean, the uh, like the petrol-powered lawnmower was, I think, invented in like 1920 or 1950 or something. But I'm like, "Come on, people! Can't we like figure out a much more kind of efficient and effective way to keep our lawns manicured?" And then the whole idea of AstroTurf and what what about that? That kind of came to my came to my mind. But it seems like we are living in a time when everything is streamlined everything uh the waste is kind of put to the side and, and we've 're just left with the bare bones and we 're just left with the final product that that we want now uh you know it used to it used to take uh days sometimes even weeks to send mail now you can send an email in the drop of a hat and it 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 uh you know, it gets to the person within seconds. Uh, you know, dating now is so much easier. Uh, back, you know, even 15, 20 years ago, you'd have to meet people. You'd have to go through the awkwardness of, you know, that conversation. Uh, but now it, it's as simple as a swipe right or a swipe left or, you know, what listening to a profile or watching a profile online. It, it just seems like everything is streamlined. And, and that kind of awkward uh, dating talk that, You know, I think everybody that's kind of over the age of 20 knows. Um, It it just seems that that has gone. And I was driving past the network video at Baval and I thought to myself, I remember when that was like a mecca. Uh, It was full all the time and I would go there and my favorite VHS was never there because it was all rented out. And now you could just swing a cat in the place. Uh, Because things are so, not that you would, but... But you know, things are so streamlined, I, I can literally just click a button on my TV, a movie is downloaded, or I can just stream one from Netflix. It's just so simple. Shopping, uh, I delved into online shopping and it's changed my life. Uh, I don't have to be in crowds. I don't have to be with people. And, uh, but I thought to myself, what about the church? Is there still a place for the church in this age of streamlinedness, of, of you know, just chewing up the whole thing and, and just have it remaining with the bones. And uh, does the church have still have legs in 2017? Because there have been similar services. You know, I'll give you that the lights have changed, that the music's changed. But, you know, for thousands of years there would have been, uh, you know, meetings where people would read Scripture... Where there would have been songs sung, and there would have been encouragement, there would have been prayer, and a meeting of that kind of similarity has been happening now for two thousand and a bit more years. And so, so you know, is has the church kind of seen its seen its time? Has the church is is there a more streamlined way of doing this? Do we just kind of log in and just? You know, receive worship music and 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 watch the preaching on tv and you know there's nothing wrong with podcasts but i actually think that now more than ever the church has greater power than it ever has before in, in an age of streamlinedness and, and that's actually not a word but it's kind of like an owen wilson saying like just see it plus ness um, in an age of streamlined, uh, spit out the bones, no, no kind of awkwardness, no kind of messiness. I think that the church has a rare position to be a light and not necessarily to be perfect. I think so many times we think that the church should be perfect, but it doesn't have to be. The church just has to be genuine. And uh, I think that now more than ever, people are crying out for a genuine experience in an age where nothing is genuine. People are craving genuineness and uh, I titled this message "Why church and uh, why should we make it Why should we make church a priority in two thousand and seventeen? Why should we make church a priority in our homes in our in our students in two thousand and seventeen and i 'm not talking about one-time services, you know we kind of come out to church for Christmas or Easter, or there's that one guest speaker, but I think Rowan Atkinson kind of uh sums up a uh, pastor's heart sometimes uh, in a little clip so i've I've removed some of the words. those of you who are naughty will know what he's saying because you can lip read, but um I've removed some of the words, so don't get offended um, because you can't hear it. So, uh, why don't you take turn your eyes to the screen?
1: Good evening. Songs of praise this Sunday comes from our lovely old parish church of Saint Stephen, in the heart of the West Country, and I welcome you all to our simple service. You join a full congregation of local people... who have come to worship... tonight. Good evening. Songs of Praise... this Sunday... comes from our lovely old parish church... of St Stephen... in the heart of the West Country... and I welcome you all... to our simple service. You join... a full congregation of local people, who have come to worship tonight. Indeed, it makes quite a change to have so many here. (laughs) Because it wasn't quite the same story last week, for instance, was it? (laughs) Last week, the congregation numbered seven. (laughs) Four of whom had turned up a week early by mistake. <laughs> and the week before that, Harvest Sunday, there were three of us myself, the organist, Mr. Posner, and a tin of spaghetti. <laughs> Where were you? Stand! 82, I think, <laughs> watching the Reverend Cliff Mitchellmore preaching on suntan availability in the Algarve. <laughs> not tonight, eh? Oh, no. Not when there's a chance of getting your fizzog on the goggle box. <laughs> you trot along in your nasty little suits. And, my God, didn't the Hatchock do well this week? <laughs> you come swanning in here, sitting on pews that haven't seen your bum or any bum in a month of Sundays. <laughs> you don't know whether to sit, kneel or stand. You're up and down. <laughs> wasn't he? When two or three are gathered together in my name, the service can't be on television. No, oh, to hell with it. We'll sing hymn number 387. Good Christian men rejoice, the Bieber back in town.
0: Well, hopefully you weren't too good at lip-reading. Um, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that we are part of a thriving church. And Lord, I, I thank you that you've called not only this church, but the church in general to be a shining light, Lord, in this age where everything is easy and everything is accessible, Lord, I just pray that we would be able to push through that and, and Lord, have a genuine expression of what is in your heart when it comes to the church. And, Lord, I just pray that you'd give us wisdom as we delve into this topic through your word, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. I want to have a look at four key reasons as to whether the church is still relevant whether it still has meaning, whether it still has a place, has a purpose in 2017. And and, and I want to just add a few of my own personal experiences and personal reflections. But I want to draw from the book of Ephesians. And I think that it's important that we do draw from Scripture uh, rather than just our own perception of what church should be. Otherwise, we, we kind of, our own preference, our own predispositions kind of come into play. And we kind of end up with something that was a little bit removed from what, from what God had in store when, when he, he came up with this whole concept of the church. And sometimes it becomes more like more uh, of that than it does of this. And it becomes more of a cinema than it, beca- than, than it does of a gym. And so uh, I want to have a look at, at the book of Ephesians. Ephesians was probably one of the, the most early megachurches. It was huge. Uh, you know, uh, one of Paul's earliest uh, missionary journeys to to the city of Ephesus. And, uh, you know, scholars believe that it kind of numbered around the three to 4,000 uh, members at that particular time. Timothy uh, became the pastor, for want of a better word. Uh, of the church at Ephesus, I've actually been to the the site of Ephesus. And ancient Ephesus is a huge, huge expanse, and uh, and so this church was planted. Uh, they they say about in the middle of of the city, uh, and, and so Paul is actually writing to the church at Ephesus, and um, he writes this in Ephesians chapter four, verses two to sixteen. And there's a bit of passage to go through, but I'll hammer through it, and then we'll pick apart for those four reasons. It says this, it says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature... In the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed around, tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. See, the first thing, I know that was a long passage of Scripture, but the first thing that I pick up from this particular body of Scripture is found in, in verse 2 and 3, but, but it's, it's the undercurrent of the church that Paul is talking about. There, there's an undercurrent that he's saying that this should define us, this should be what we're about, and, and it should be love. And he sums it up in love. And I don't, oh, we do. It says this always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope in the future. See, I think that the church has an incredible niche. We have an incredible ability, an incredible opportunity to be able to be different to any other organization, any other system in the world. Possibly outside of the family, to be such a beacon of hope and love. And and see... Family is kind of it 's a bit awkward sometimes but but we kind of push past it because it 's family and, and I believe that the church should be a picture of what that 's like to be to be a, a beacon of love doesn 't indicate perfection to be a beacon of love doesn 't indicate painted on smiles, you know pearly white teeth, kind of faking it till we make it. Being a church that is full of love is is a church that 's built on forgiveness. It's a church that's built on the openness, the ability to confront, but not condemn. And I think that the church has this rare opportunity to be able to be in this kind of atmosphere that we're in now, be a beacon of love that says, you know, I'm not necessarily going to agree with you. Uh, You may have hurt me in the past, but I'm going to be able to push past that with the power of forgiveness through the Holy Spirit, so that we might actually have a genuine care for one another. And I think that this is something that has disappeared in our modern world. If we don't like the person that, that, that's posting on our Facebook, we unfriend them. If we don't like the person that we're working next to, we ask to be moved. If we, you know, if we don't like the person that we're sitting next to in class, we, we move to the back or, or we shun them. Or maybe if we don't like the friendship group that we're hanging out with or there's one person that's ticking us off, we'll move away and have lunch somewhere else. But, but the church actually offers something unique in that there are so many people from all different walks of life, rich, poor, different backgrounds, young, old, you could be an academic, you might be a tradesman, but, but the church should be this kind of eclectic vision of love where, where there's people from different backgrounds, people from different experiences, but we're all here together for one purpose and that's to lift up the name of Christ, but also to show genuine love to one another. And, and, and I, I just want to throw this challenge out there tonight. You know, if, if there's something that's hindering you from, from really kind of diving in... From, from really uh, interacting with everybody. Maybe, you know, you've been coming to this church for four or five years and, and you cringe every time they say, turn around and say hi to somebody. Maybe, maybe you know, there's something, there's, there's a barrier, that's th- something that's happened to you. Can I encourage you? Please, you know, w- whether it's an issue with a person or it's an issue in your own heart, let this be the year 2017, when, when the church is so relevant to you because you're actually able to move past offense or hurt or or sadness and actually begin to move into the love that God had intended when he came up with this whole concept of the church. You know, we're probably what you would term a medium-sized church in, in, in the grand scheme, grand scheme of things. And, uh, you know, we meet across two locations, three different services. So, you know, there's sometimes we may not see people. But my challenge is that, you know, maybe there's, there's certain groups of people that you've just alienated yourself from, and uh, if you're new here tonight, I want to extend a special welcome to you. Uh, please, connect yourself to somebody. There's so many fantastic people here, and uh, you know as a pastor, I do get to meet so many people, but I don't know uh, all of you as well as I should. And uh, but but you know, chances are you'll find somebody that that you know is just a great encourager. They're a great lifter up of you. So make sure this year find somebody that can encourage you. Find somebody that you can actually connect with. And um, uh, through uh, I've been in this church about twenty six years now, and um, there's been so many times when I don't know how and I don't know why, but but people have just you know literally lifted out of hand and picked me up. Whether that be in terms of finance, uh, I remember there was one time I'd crashed my car, just totaled the front end, and, um, you know, it w- w- was struggling a bit. I was a uni student then, but just somehow 150 bucks found its way into my account, which is like $10 million to a uni student, kind of, if you use their currency. Um, but, and, and so many times I think we look for the pastor to do that, but it's not. It's one another. And there's very few times when it's actually the pastor that's done something for me. It's always been somebody that that knows, uh, that, that's kind of in my circle, uh, that, that's kind of just reached out a hand and lifted up. And, and my challenge to you is: don't be the only, don't be a person sitting in here that's that's going through something, and you're the only person that knows about it. Uh, make sure that you find yourself in a community where where you can actually not you know, not kind of in the uh, counseling aspect, but there's somebody that knows what you're going through and is praying for you. And that's why the church is still so important. I, And it's not always easy. Sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes we stuff it up. Sometimes we amazingly stuff it up. But I, I believe that God has a, a vision for a church. When It doesn't matter the, the magnitude of the mistake that you've made. That, that, that I believe that there's, God's vision of the church is that he's got grace sufficient enough so that we can actually forgive and move through that. And uh, I believe that there's some people in here that are thinking there's no way that I could ever be accepted to the level of so-and-so, or there's no way that I could ever kind of find myself 100% connected because of all of this or my past or whatever it may be. I- I'm here to tell you that there's grace enough from God and there's grace enough in this room for that to not be true. And um, and so that, for me, uh, we when I was in youth, I was about, I think, well, maybe I was 18. I think I was a youth leader at the time, which makes this even worse. But... Um, we went away to a conference every, every year at the beginning of the year, a conference called Planet Shakers. And I remember I, I had this massive stink with another leader. Uh, just huge stink. Just absolutely blew up. Um, and like my gift is that I am very good with words, uh, which is not so much a gift when you're tearing people down. So anyway, I just sat there and berated this other leader for about three minutes, walked away feeling so good about myself completely justified, and uh, anyway, kind of two weeks later, I had this kind of confrontation with the youth pastor who knew what I said, and um, by this time, I'd kind of, I realized the error of my ways, but uh, nothing more awkward when you've got to kind of talk to your youth pastor about the thing that you've said that you know you shouldn't have said, Um, but for me, this was just, this, and I was so surprised because he said, yeah, yeah, you said it, go say sorry and then move on. So I did. And I was like, it shouldn't be that easy. But in church, it should be that easy. It should be that easy in church if we're actually going to practice this genuine love. And uh, so that was kind of my experience. I could list off hundreds of experiences where I've messed up, I've made an idiot of myself, said the wrong thing, um, you know, done the wrong thing, but still able to kind of process and, and be accepted and connected because of love. I'm going to hammer through. Number two, uh, the, the second thing that I see in this verse and the second thing that I kind of see in the early church is that there's an equipping nature. There's an equipping nature to the church uh, that should occur every time. And uh, if we got that second slide, it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people for the work of the mil- of the military. <laughs> you heard it first. Sign up. Um, see, I think that the success of the early church was largely due to the fact that they had this down pat. They were able to equip and send so easily. And uh, I still think that the, the mandate of the church is to equip and send. Uh, not just in church leadership. We kind of see equipping as, okay, we're going to prepare you to do the work of the ministry of a Sunday. No, it's, it's, a prepared, it's equipped for the ministry of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I think that we, 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 stop, we need to stop kind of putting platform ministry on a pedestal because there's, a, there's just as high a calling to be a Christian businessman. There's just as high a calling to be a Christian in politics. There's just as high a calling to be a Christian in education. And so I believe that the church should be a place where we come, we equip so that you're ready when you go out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, to actually be that love that we were talking about, but also to be a beacon of hope in that workplace. And uh, I believe that there's a generation kind of rising up that, that are gonna, they're going to love the church and the church is going to be in their heart, but they're never ever going to stand on a platform and preach. And uh, I believe that, that we should be encouraging that. We should be encouraging people to follow their gifts, uh, not only like this is not the only place for gifts to be outworked. It is a place, but it's not the only place. And um, you know, it, it is for me, it might not be for you. And uh, I was talking, I was applying for a bank uh, account for my son during the week and I was talking to this lady and she said, uh, the the bank teller, and she said, oh, I could never ever do what you do. I uh, could never ever do it. And I said, maybe you're not supposed to. And she goes, I've never ever thought of it that way. I said, why don't you think you, that's what you're supposed to do? She goes, I can't talk in front of crowds. Can't do it at all. She said, "I'm one on, I'm a one-on-one person. And uh, she was a Christian lady. Uh, We kind of just were having this discussion. She said, I'm a one-on-one person. Never, ever do what, uh, you know, the priests or pastors do. And I said, well, maybe you're not called to do that. Maybe you're actually called to be a beacon of hope in the banking industry. And she goes, oh, yeah, maybe I am. And then she kind of signed my paperwork and I left. Um, Which bank, you ask? Don't worry. Um, (laughs) Point three. The church still has a, a place... And and the reason is this: because it should be a place where people go from here on mission. Uh, You know, we're called to be a beacon of light and hope in our workplaces, but we're also called to bring light into dark places. And uh, you know, in in the scripture, there he makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. The key word in that scripture is grow and growing. You know, if we're the same size as we are in 2020 as we are today, then I don't think we're fulfilling our mandate. We're actually called to expand, not with other Christians, but we're actually called to to bring the kingdom of heaven into that place. But and, and, you know, and I'm all for personal evangelism. I think that you know we need to be more equipped, more ready to be personal evangelists. But I think that church offers a rare experience where we can actually bring love, we can bring connection, and we can bring the presence of God, where in maybe a work context or something like that, we wouldn't have that level of ability. So um, my challenge to you this year is to one, love, is to two, whether you if, you if you're in this place and you think I'm not equipped to be a light in my industry or whatever then this should be the year that you find yourself equipped to do that find yourself in a small group find yourself kind of serving in a, in a ministry area that is going to excel you in that area wherever you might find yourself whatever industry you might find yourself in if it's not if, if you, you're not confident talking to people then hey maybe it's time to become a welcomer and meet people at the door and then by the time you go back to your industry by the time you go back to your workplace it's all going to be there you're going to have that ability and you're going to have that confidence to be able to do it um, but and then the the third thing is this um, we, we put on all kinds of events we just had a christmas production at christmas time but, but we do all kinds of events to make the church more appealing to people but we can make the church more appealing to people that don't necessarily belong to the church till the cows come home. But but it's, that's not going to change this community. the The way that this community is changed is by people who have relationship with others, bringing them in. You know, we can have Facebook posts, everything. But un, until it's we actually each one of us actually takes personal responsibility to that person that we've been sitting across from, then we're never really going to see true growth. Uh, and true transformational growth. We—I was talking to one of our our, um, our young leaders um, last week, and she was just telling me how she brought her friend for the first time uh, for the first time ever, and her friend was just totally blown away by the atmosphere. She said, "I've never ever felt an atmosphere like this of this church. This was last Sunday. Never ever felt the atmosphere like I felt in this place." And and, and you know. We could be selfish and we could just keep it to ourselves, but I actually believe that we've been, giving, we've been given something great, so that we can bring greatness in, and that we'll continue to build on that. So, I just, I, we'll be changing the format of a few of our night services for a very specific reason. Why don't you get on board and bring a friend to one of our night services or one of our morning services? I've found that people uh, sometimes, you know, we kind of put on this massive evangelistic night where where the preaching is kind of, it's it's minimalized and we don't do as much worship. But I've found that sometimes people are so blown away by just a normal church service and and they're just so impacted by it. uh, And so don't just limit yourself to, oh, it's a kind of, it's a bring everybody night. No, Every Sunday is a bring everybody Sunday. And then the, the, my last point, and this is point four, if the musicians could join me and the stewards could distribute the bread and juice. Now, I'm just going to pre-warn everybody. We've got new communion for the night. So don't freak out. Don't stone me. Um, I'm not a heretic. Uh, so the the new communion is like fully prepackaged and I know this is in complete opposition to what I was saying at the beginning about like streamlined and easy but um, you know we're going to move past that um, so um, when it comes around there is a, a wafer uh, in the first kind of plasticky peel off bit so you can peel that one off and you can hold the wafer in your hand and then there's also the juice which is in here now uh, it's different is everybody okay with different? Cool. Um, I'm just, just know Pastor John's going to get so many emails this week about how unholy this service has become. It's unruly. But don't freak out. It still means the same. But my point for, and why I think the church still has relevance, why I think it's so important, is that. We, we need to gather together and we need to have communion. We need to have that remembrance aspect in our service. And, and the last point is point four, communion. And it says, When he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended into our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with his presence. And and the reason why communion is so important, the reason why we will never, ever, ever stop doing this is because we need to remember that he descended. He descended in his lowly form into this lowly world so that we might have communion with the Father. And uh, I was just kind of contemplating this when I was preparing this message. And, uh, you know, the, the emblems in this, the, the bread and, and the juice, there, there's power in the emblems. There's the power of salvation. There's the power of healing in the blood of Christ. There's absolutely power. But I think when, when, we, when we look at, at communion and we, when we look at remembering the Last Supper, as As we kind of do around this time, we remember the event and we kind of we remember the you know maybe it's the painting where you've got Peter, James, and John and all of the disciples sitting on that table and we've got Judas kind of looking seedy and shady but we, we've got we've got all of that imagery and we just remember the that they took the the wine and they took the bread but i I was challenged to look beyond that. I was challenged to just look beyond the meal that they shared and actually have a look at the whole context. Because I think what was that—that that was essentially church. What what they were doing was on on the greater context, church. And uh, you know, because that that picture, the, the 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 picture by Da Vinci, the the Last Supper. I think that. You know, there's there's figures like Peter, James, and John. And Peter was struggling with fear. You know, James and John were kind of struggling with uh, selfish ambition. And and Judas was struggling with who knows what. But they they shared a meal together. And and they actually remembered what Christ was going to do. And then they were going to walk out of that meal. They were going to walk out of that room into possibly the greatest challenge and the greatest victory. Of their life, and and, and that's why I think that it's the the picture of the church, because we share this meal, we share this remembrance, this communion, and and, and, you know we'll go out there tomorrow, we'll walk out these doors, and everything may not be good, you know we're we're all sitting in these seats, and, and all our ducks may not be in a row, but but we remember the connection to Him. And we remember the love across the table and across the row. And and, and we believe that we've been called to something greater as we walk out of those doors.